0: All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh. I'm Plank. We owe you a top five stories today, right? I think we've done it yet today. Uh, Tara Henry. We have not. Yeah, that's from correct. From D1softball.com is going to join us coming up in just a bit. 1130? 1135 five? is what I told her because, A, we tend to get a little carried away. With the old clock here on the plank Especially show. Especially in this segment. In this segment. So basically, if you're new to the show, welcome. We like to spend the we like to spend the start of the 11 o'clock hour talking about all the big stories of the day. Maybe things we haven't talked about, maybe things we have. So it's that special time of the show. And it's as old, well, hour three, first and foremost, is brought to you by Mop and Roofing. Mop and Roofing, they've got you covered. Locally owned and operated and fully insured, licensed, and bonded. Serving Oklahoma. Been in business for over 35 years. 405-703-3843. Let's go. Top five stories of the day. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, Newcastle Casino. Located off I-44 at Exit 107, 14 table games including blackjack, three-card poker, Ultimate Texas Hold'em and Baccarat, and happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, by the way, sidebar real quick before you hit big story number five. Do we have winners? I mean, I saw we had a lot. Of, are you still in the process of sifting through? We will have winners. We do not have winners identified yet. Okay. Be- and, and we're going to be very clear because we're learning quite the lesson On some of these ticket giveaways. A reminder. A reminder. These are Big 12 tickets for Thursday only. Thursday only. Six. uh, Three pair. Two, that means you get two tickets. Why am I over-explaining this? Because it needs to be over-explained. Because... Y'all, I'll give you the login to the text line so you can see how much this needs to be over-explained. But it's a pair of tickets to see um, Game 1 tomorrow, Baylor-Iowa State. Um, who else you got tomorrow? You got Texas Tech in Texas. Yes. You got Oklahoma State in Kansas. You got the, the whole day. Yeah, you got the whole day. And it'll start at noon, and it will probably get over to about – 9 o'clock, depending on the weather. So, if you want them, get after them. Because uh, it's time for Big Story. Number five. Number five. We are following all the softball scores today here on the Plank Show, including a game that is currently underway and is maybe an upset in the making. We are watching former Sooner Brooke Vestal pitch for Ole Miss, and as they move to the top of the fourth inning, well, actually, I think they're off to the bottom of the fourth inning, yeah, to the bottom of the fourth inning, it is to 2-1 Ole Miss. The Rebs could have put a couple of runs on the board in the, uh, what was that, top of the fourth inning, and now they go to the bottom of the fourth and, oh, top of the third inning, I'm sorry, 2-1 Ole Miss leads it, and Ole Miss has just gone to the pin and brought in Caitlin Riley. So, after a solid start from Brooke Vestal, Vestal, let's see. What? Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not. Oh, it's not Vestal. I'm sorry. It's, it's Riley the whole way. My bad. I looked up and just saw the, the number. It's Caitlin Riley pitching for Ole Miss. Three innings, two hits, one run, has struck out one and walked one. LSU and Ole Miss going at it. The Rebs lead it two to one. Here's a couple of other games that'll be coming up in the SEC. Where's that coming from? I, I was. I was trying to figure that out. I'll just
1: shut this door too. I have no It's like <laughs> it was it, I just turned this TV on. So, I, wait, did I not might have mute been that, this?
0: Right. I don't know, so I was like I hear someone talking and where is it coming from? So, here's what you have today. Uh, in the ACC tournament, get a couple of games that doesn't really seem like it's involving anyone that we will be talking about in the dance. Maybe Notre Dame George attack would be kind of interesting. The Big Ten tournament is underway. They're in the top of the first inning. Rutgers and Ohio State are scoreless. They've got four total games today, including a very intriguing Michigan-Penn State game. Uh, I think that's it for the Power Fire. Pac-12 tomorrow? No, Pac-12 tonight. Arizona State and Arizona will get underway at 6 p.m. So, all kinds of college softball. What's the total? My man Steven York reached out this morning. And the numbers were a little bit shocking. We have 11 softball games on between the SEC, ACC, and the Big Ten. So, worth keeping an eye on. That's big story number five. All right, big story number four. Number four. I need you on this. Because, okay, I've got two college football stories to get to. And one of them, I mean, listen, right off the top. Here's the one that I – desperately need your help on. The Big Ten has announced that they are likely going to drop the requirement for leagues to play a Power Five non-conference team starting in 2024. I didn't know that this was a point of contention with the Big Ten, but is it something that you've heard people complaining about, Josh? Or
1: So... They're getting rid of the requirement that you have to play at least one Power 5 right. conference let, re- let,
0: re- let me rephrase it, because Bretton McMurphy used some, uses some pretty specific phrasing here. The Big Ten is strongly considering removing its requirement for league teams to play a Power 5 non-conference matchup starting in 2024. Interesting. Uh,
1: bad bad for college football, bad right. for the Big Ten in my opinion. A lot of teams, it's not going to affect.
0: I think. Iowa,
1: Iowa State, you've, still you've got that game every year. And the other two games that Iowa schedule stinks, anyways. So, <laughs> not changing much there. Ohio State is always, Michigan's always going to schedule one blockbuster game right Mm -hmm. so for you know Penn State probably same thing there Michigan State seems like they've usually got something good in the non-conference so this to me is much to do about nothing outside of maybe the Northwesterns or whoever's of the world want some built-in wins on the schedule but uh it also maybe opens the door to this conversation is the Big Ten thinking about ramping up its conference schedule
0: they only play eight league games? Or do they play them? In other words, might they even add to ten? Ten. Yeah, because you're bringing in USC, UCLA. I've – maybe there is someone much smarter than me. When you have a 16-team league, why not just play ten conference games? Well, I've never understood – Well, because- the Big Ten's exploring that. M- maybe they are. Since 2016, the Big Ten has required league members to play at least one non conference Power Five opponent annually. However, Big Ten schools could ask the league office for exemptions for other programs not in a Power Five league to count as its requirement. Now, Michigan does not have a Power Five team on their conference, non conference schedule. schedule. Th- this this non-conference? year. Right. They have UNLV, East Carolina, and Bowling Green.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: But let's also remember, they were slated to play Texas, and they moved that Texas game, right? No, that's wrong. They just don't have. <laughs> that would have been like in the future, future. Oh my! So how did how did Michigan get away with it? Did they have someone drop out of their schedule? Because East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green? Who the hell are you going to petition? <clears throat> Who in the world are you going to co- petition uh, the Big button. Ten to to say, hey, listen, can you consider UNLV to be a Power 5 program in this, please? But uh, By the way, quick side. Quick, here's some of the cool matchups that this rule has given us this year. You get Illinois at Kansas, which is fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden that's not that bad of a non-con game.
0: Uh, Where is it? You mentioned Iowa State, Iowa. Uh, uh, Ohio State is at Notre Dame on September 23rd. Yeah, that's a huge,
1: huge early season game.
0: Penn State takes on Washington. Hold on. Penn State takes on West Virginia.
1: Wait, backtrack one second. Go ahead.
0: When is that Ohio State-Notre
1: Dame game? It's late September. September
0: 23rd. Remember, it was the first weekend of the season last year. Yeah, so that's
1: a little time to acclimate Hartman at uh, Notre Dame to figure out if it's McCord. At Ohio State. I keep and
0: forgetting about Hartman, man.
1: That is, uh, I mean, that might be a college football playoff elimination game right there.
0: Probably is for Ohio State. And we're still in the four-team playoff mix right now. We're not to 12 yet. Uh, the other two that really kind of caught my eye, beyond some of the natural ones that you typically have, how about Washington playing both Michigan State and Wisconsin this year? That seems to be a little bit of a scheduling faux pas by a team that, in, in the case of Washington, feels like they're in the mix for a potential playoff berth. to have both Wisconsin and Michigan State on their schedule, so
1: maybe someone put. I don't. Remember. Well, you got you got uh, a couple of average programs in Wisconsin and <laughs> Michigan State, so it should be no problem. Though people at Wisconsin are all pumped up about this uh, Phil Longo coming over to totally rein reinvent the offense there. The uh, they're calling it our, our man. Uh, who's our guy? Tom Fornelli from CBS. Oh yeah, it's now been affectionately dubbed the Dairy Raid.
0: Oh, the Dairy Raid. I kind of like that. All right. Anything else from that you want? You think we need to hit on? But the big ten. So uh, I saw Red Dirt Sports because he is my source for all things sports. I saw him say follow. Uh, the, the SEC will probably do this same thing. Right. So it. it, it it basically just, five opponent. Yeah, it
1: basically just sets it up to where teams have the autonomy to not do that, and I think is laying the groundwork to widen conference schedules.
0: Yeah. All right, um, one other college football note. Georgia has declined its invitation to the White House because they can't stand Joe Biden. Actually, the schedule. It's kind of funny because... I mean I just I was thinking about this when they were talk they were talking about the invitation and going. I mean, I don't care who the president is. I I wanna go to the White House and sure. meet him, right? Well to,
1: to go to the White House. Right, right. I, cool. don't,
0: I mean I don't I could be the rightist of right or the leftist of left and if there is the opposing party's president in place, I still want to meet him. When did this become the cool thing to do? To decline the invite?
1: Yeah. Has this been going on for a while? I mean, definitely it happened during the the Trump administration. And yeah. It's happening here. Yeah. Did it
0: happen for Obama too? I don't think so. I think I don't I don't remember it if it did. I'm sure it did. But Georgia claimed it's not a political thing; it's a scheduling thing. But again, like, I, which maybe it is. In, in but in then, mind, can't like, you work it out? I can't move my schedule around. The president wants us to come to the White House on this date. Well, the boys got a lift in the morning. I don't really know if they need to be moving that workout. so they and, can go to the White House. And if we're still under this illusion
1: that college football is in some way tied back to academics, yeah. then wouldn't that be a meaningful academic moment to get to, to be at the White House? Shouldn't that, I don't know, I mean, regardless, again, of your political uh, leanings, That is something to me to where I'm with you. It's disappointing that we see so many athletes decline that opportunity.
0: You know what's funny? I think, boy, old man man soapbox here real quick. There are so many things that used to be such such a big deal and such a kind of a banner moment in life. Getting invited to the White House to celebrate something. I mean, look at Forrest Gump. It's a big deal. And now she's like, yeah, you know, we don't want to go. It's, I'll never understand it, man. All right, so that was four, right? Here we go. Big story number three. Number three. Who uh, who was it that got the McDonald's dinner? Oh, Clemson did. Yeah. Which, by the way, was great. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> it was
1: amazing.
0: Oh, that was cool, man. And I love the fake quote from Trevor Lawrence that made the rounds, too. <laughs> Oh, if you just sit back and kind of have fun with it, it's very
1: enjoyable. Yeah, you just got to relax a little bit.
0: What are you most looking... Now, we've got tomorrow, we've got tomorrow the schedule release of the National Football League. We have a few, and the key word here is a few, games that have already been announced, including all of the overseas games that the NFL will play coming up next year. So... Gosh, where's my list of overseas games? I think... uh, Do you have it here? Yeah, I've got it. Well, I know this much. October 1st. October... Oh, you got it right here in front of my face. I'm sitting here. This little MacBook Air and I are just not getting along, Josh. Does anyone want to trade a MacBook Air for a PC? October 1st, Falcons-Jaguars in Wembley Stadium in London. And then Jacksonville becomes the first team ever to play back-to-back weeks. They'll go to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to take on the Bills. Then October 15th, Ravens-Titans in London. November 5th, Dolphins-Chiefs in Frankfurt Stadium. And then November 12th, Colts-Patriots in Frankfurt. So Ger- power-ranking
1: matchups. Right. Dolphins-Chiefs is number one. Right. Ravens-Titans too? Yep. Colts-Patriots three?
0: Yeah, maybe. Well, Let's keep in mind, too, Josh, the, the Jags did win a playoff game last yeah,
1: year. Yeah, why do I still think mentally they stink? No, Jags-Bills is, is way up there. That might there. be pretty good.
0: Here's, here's a couple of I others. I might
1: actually even bump that all the way up to two.
0: We still have the rumor about the Chiefs and the Eagles playing in week two. But we also know a couple of things for certain. The Black Friday game, which will be the first ever NFL game that they're going to play on Black Friday, will be the Dolphins and the Jets. And that'll be week 12. That'll be at 3 o'clock Eastern.
1: And it's kind of the NFL, I think, to pick a game that nobody cares about, to put right there.
0: <laughs> well, I
1: have a ter- it won't, won't, won't invade the uh, college uh, landscape at all. I have a terrible question for you. It's actually a really good matchup now, jokes aside.
0: What odds would you give that is healthy in starting that game? Black Friday, so
1: it's, yeah, I mean, coming down the home stretch of the season. I'm going to be optimistic. I think that uh, – I think he's going to have a good bill of health this year. So I- I'm going to say – I'm going to lean on the 60% chance.
0: Okay. 60% chance.
1: You're going positive here. You're going positive. I really hope so, man. He's – it, 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 scary what we've seen Very at times scary. with Tua.
0: So here's a couple of other. If you're, I'm into the schedule leaks. Okay, so here's some leaks. You guys can do with it what you want. Um, W T O V News tweeted this and then deleted it, but W T O V is in the Ohio Valley, so they would cover. The Bengals. Bengals. But apparently, the NFL had given advance notice of a pair of marquee games, including Christmas Day Giants at Eagles. So they deleted one of the tweets, but it looks like Christmas Day is a potential for the Giants and the Eagles. Why? I mean, why would
1: they have known that?
0: Because they're a Fox station. Maybe they just got the unit. some sort
1: of memo. Right, and
0: the 49ers-Eagles were also mentioned on December 3rd, but that's the tweet that they deleted.
1: I mean, isn't all of this just calculated to be like, okay, you know, put it out there and then delete it? <laughs> right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> like there's some sort oh my goodness, LSU just threw it away. What channel did you say this is on? SEC Network. Do you Thor- have any idea what number that is? Uh, yeah, Tyler knew it right off the, the back, man. It was. it's 275 on Cox 3-1 Ole Miss they just in the top of the fifth inning there is a ground ball that just got by the pitcher with a runner at second ah, she booted it actually and when the second baseman Carly Petty the Oklahoma State transfer when she picked it up the runner from third tried to score and Petty airmailed it 3-1 Ole Miss this would be an upset boys this would be an upset. 11-6. Any other scheduling questions? I think we're good, right? It's just I, I'm also I love the leaks, but I'm also okay with waiting until it actually comes out. Sure. <laughs> All right, where are we? Big story number two. Number two. All right, you had two games late last night in the NBA playoffs, and if you if you missed it, there wasn't anything overly exciting because for the most part. It was two blowouts, but maybe not the kind of blowouts that we actually thought, because I felt like many thought that Philly would, would struggle a bit going on the road. They barely got by Boston in game four and are going on the road. Here's Boston again back in the series, but no, not the case. And Joel Embiid was a major reason why. God, I hate it. Whenever I, I hate this MacBook Air, but Joel I'm, but I was, say, I'm so major. grateful for it. But I just cannot James figure out how to for use a screen it. Screen from Embiid, top of the key, right hand dribble, collides with the defender, back out to Joel Embiid shooting a three. It's good. and B firing from long range, and he knocks down a three. And then there was Tyrese Maxey. Match against Derek White, Boston extending his defense toward the midcourt. Tyrese with 12 to shoot, speed dribble behind the back, fires for three, up and good. So the big story after the Celtics lose last night became, what's wrong with Boston? Here's their head coach, Joe Missoula.
2: And that was our first really, really bad game of the playoffs. And so it doesn't come at necessarily the best time, uh, but we just have to shift our perspective and get ready for the
0: next game. 116-115 was the final. Wait, that's not right. 115-103. Uh, wa- I was looking at the wrong Sorry,
1: way. yeah, I, I was looking at the uh, game four. And you had brought up
0: James Harden and how he wasn't really involved last night, but by design?
2: I thought James was a magician tonight. Uh, and, you know, if you were, uh, I guess, I don't know, who calls the game the pitcher or the catcher? Baseball. Catch, catch. All right, all right. geez, guys, I thought you knew sports. All right? <laughs> um, he called it like a perfect game. He, he was
0: aggressive early on when he needed to be aggressive. And then he kind of sat back and 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 played and made made up other got everybody else involved.
1: No, they don't know sports <laughs> <laughs> And also the manager might be calling as as well so all
0: right um
1: or if you're the Astros probably somebody in uh, a bunker somewhere
0: i think I think that's I think it's going seven. I think it's I, gosh though. I do believe though that Philly can win the title. I think Philly can win it all. Meanwhile. Uh, Nikola Jokic was just awesome again last night.
2: Casey has it up the left sideline. He's got his eyes wide open in the
0: paint. Jokic layup. Time out Phoenix. We had a little dust up too, and it was kind of hilarious late in that game here. Do you want to hear the call of the dust up? Yeah, absolutely. It was pretty good it, because it took place right in front of the sun's bench. And it was a situation where it looked like Phoenix. Phoenix was trying to listen in on their huddle.
2: Joker is in on the timeout huddle with the Phoenix Suns looking at the play. (laughs) Now Bruce Brand and Kevin Durant are throwing elbows.
0: Well it's not if it's Oh Durant just shoves Jokic. Technical foul on Kevin Durant. Joker just popped open the skull
2: of Kevin Durant and jumped inside his brain and went swimming around. Ultimate bait job by Nicole Jokic. It's not an official timeout, so
1: Joker right. went over and stood by the little That might, That might be one of the greatest radio calls I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> the way it sounded like a Jerry Springer show.
0: Rest his soul. I got ah! I got to remember that one. That's a good line. So that became the big story after just utter domination by the Nuggets last night. Here's what the Suns head coach, Monty Williams, said about Jokic coming to their huddle. The league has
2: to figure out all that stuff, man. There's just too much silliness going on in the NBA when it comes to that. Everybody does it. And there should be like a written rule that you shouldn't walk over to somebody's huddle. But everybody in the league does that. It's kind of silly.
0: Now, final score last night, 118 uh, 2 That series is three games to two now in favor of Denver. Um, Celtics, as we mentioned, lose to the 76ers 115 103. Three games to two in favor of Philadelphia. So tonight, tonight you get two teams potentially moving on to their finals Heat Knicks. That's a 6 30 tip on TNT. Then later tonight, Lakers Warriors at nine. Which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number
2: one.
0: Number one. Number one. All right, listen, hang with us during the break. We'll pay off all things OU. We got a softball update, a little bit on baseball on this trip to Gonzaga, looking at the weather out there. It looks amazing. couple recruiting tidbits on the football side of things. And, yeah, a lot of women's tennis and golf to get to. So we'll get you caught up on everything. We're running late. Tara Henry coming up in 10 minutes right here on The route. Okay, so, oh, LSU making a comeback. We are tied, three-three. LSU and Ole Miss. That game is in the bottom of the fifth inning, and the Tigers have a runner in scoring position with only one out. Boy, that uh, happened swiftly. Get a runner, a couple runners on base, and suddenly Taylor Pleasants getting healthy and. Those LSU helmets are uh, pretty cool. Pretty sharp, right? Okay, we don't. Have, we got. I mentioned all things OU. Uh, Tyler and our social media team, which is Tyler at KREF Sports. Just we played part of this a couple days ago, but I, this was the part I wanted to play, and I'm really glad that Tyler hunted it down and put it on Twitter. This is uh, Dylan Gabriel.
2: The the craziest thing is like, there's five games there's one possession games. Yeah, exactly. And there's five plays you want back in each in each mm-hmm. game, that could be the difference. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think that's kind of what I've took with me from that season. And you know, nobody wants like nobody goes into a season like we're gonna you go six and seven. You know, like <laughs> yeah, like nobody thought that. Nobody pushed for that. That wasn't at all. But I would just say with how close we were, you live on the right side of it. Mm-hmm. The conversation is totally different yeah. you know and there's two games you know i end up you know being injured and sitting yeah. out for but the five games i did play in there's one possession games and like i said we got to live on the right side of it uh for me it was average year you know because i know there's so much more that we left on the table but i think you know you you take a perspective of of that mm-hmm. you know that there's so much growth that we can make, and I think that it was my focus going into yeah. going into spring, and then going into obviously now summer.
0: He's not tearing down goalposts based on his season, nor should he be. We're following. Um, we're following this like crazy, aren't we? You know, it's just how, well was he better in the spring or not? He looked terrible. He missed a throw on fourth down. So I just love the i mentioned i feel like we could play this clip and do three hours of text and even calls if we wanted to but i like that he said it was an average year i didn't want to hear him being like yeah man it was great i like that all right quick break we uh we, we finally got all the winners that can go <laughs> everyone's like yeah i'll take the tickets like okay you want them? i can't go <laughs> <laughs> try to sift through all this madness. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's just a guarantee. That's with a guarantee. One of, with
0: one of these. Tara Henry joins us next. D1softball.com on The Ref. I didn't realize how late we were. My bad. Uh, Tara Henry joins us. D1softball.com. I'm sorry, Tara. I've, I've been sitting here watching LSU come back, and we've just been shooting the breeze. Um, it's tournament week. This is, in my opinion, one of the best weeks of the year. What's your plan? Are you uh, taking in the first ever Pac-12 softball tournament?
3: You know, it was on the docket for me to do the Pac-12, but we've got Brady Vernon uh, on our staff. He's going to be heading out there taking in the Pac-12, and I'm just going to be at home watching every single game that I can. So I've got a pretty good command center here uh, at home in in San Pedro and just – taking a little break before hitting the road for regionals
0: and supers. Yeah, it's going to be wild, isn't it? Hey, can you uh before we dive into what you've learned and what you've what you've seen uh at d1softball.com, you use a lot of different analytics and numbers and you and I were kind of joking about how you know, there's <laughs> that the the number that came out with the top 5 pitchers and there wasn't a sooner yes. pitcher in it. T- it's all in the article at d1softball.com if you go read it, but Terrence, just it's we're and not in a bad way, there's a lot of different numbers we can use to try to figure things out now in softball, isn't there?
3: Absolutely. And if you are a subscriber to d1softball.com, which I know you are, Plank, <laughs> uh, we've got a, an entire statistics tab on our site. We're looking at advanced statistics, and basically what we're trying to do is further break down what we're seeing across college softball. And yes, these are the top five pitchers in terms of weighted, one, run, weighted wins above average, easy for me to say, <laughs> and you know, it's not looking at, we're not saying these are the best pitchers. We're actually saying that these pitchers on their teams are worth the most wins and runs. So I even put it in the Argo, you, you would argue that OU is such an incredibly balanced team uh, and does well in so many different aspects that not one player uh, is going to make the difference on a win or a loss. Right. So um, you could argue that you wouldn't want to be on the top of this list. I, I would say Uh and if you look at a Montana Fouts, if, if Alabama doesn't have Montana Fouts, that's almost eight less wins for them, right? So yeah. they're getting eight more wins with an arm like Montana Fouts because that's how big of an impact she has on that squad. But, you know, I love the banter back and forth with the OU fans. I just wish some of them wouldn't attack me personally. That's that's when it gets, you know, a little bit oh, I get it, uh, out of control. You know, it's just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but, yes, in terms of that model, I think – it's really cool to bring uh, advanced statistics to the to the sport and be able to analyze how well uh, players uh, are performing across the country. And just um, excited with six four three and everything they put together for us. And you know, Plank, um, it's day to day here. Yeah, uh, in college softball, it's amazing.
0: It's amazing the advancements we've had. You mentioned Montana Fouls. Let's just start scouring the country. It's yes. an old school approach in a lot of ways, right? We see staffs now uh, two to three deep in pitching. Alabama, you know, and, and even if Lexi Kilfoyle had, had stayed around, you know, who knows, but they don't really, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, it's it's one arm, and they're going to ride it. I mean, could, could Patrick Murphy catch kind of lightning in a bottle and Montana Fouts get hot, or do you think they might be in a little trouble once we hit regional play?
3: I think you're spot on. It is an old-school approach. I actually watched Montana Fouts this past weekend in Oxford <laughs> in that perfect game win over Ole Miss, and, you know, Arrested Montana Fouts, she's tough to beat. I mean, we saw her perfect, perfect game against UCLA in the Women's College World Series. So that team is really riding the arm. But there's a little bit of a different energy uh, around that offense, too. And I think they've got some young contributions from, you know, with Kenley and uh, Larissa Pruitt. She had a, an incredible weekend with them. But it is an old-school approach and something, if you know, if Montana's not on, uh, you're looking at Alex Salter or Jayla Torrance to step in the circle and just – not as dominant as a Fouts. So I would be concerned um, if anything happens to Montana Fouts or if a team is able to get into her and get on time. What have you made of
0: Tennessee? I haven't had a chance to watch them a lot. I know the health of Rodgers has been key and paramount and seeing what you know, they've been able to do in their lineup. And I know they've been a bit of a roller coaster. But, I mean, is, are, are they, in your opinion, the team out of the SEC to keep an eye out for to potentially make a run?
3: 100%. And when we talked about a staff, you know, we talked about OU's pitching staff. And you take a look at, at Tennessee with a Gottschall, a Pickens, and a Rogers. And mm. Rogers doesn't have as much of a r- workload this year. Yep. And so I think that's really benefited that squad. And there was a nice piece that we did on Karen Weekly. She just, you know, she's enjoying the game. And I think as a leader, she, you know, when you have a Kiki Ke- Malloy and a Zeta Pune, that team – to take that regularly season title, which I believe is only their second ever, uh, they're a nice little run in a team. I I would be, you know, that's a team I've got my eyes on them, and obviously Florida State and UCLA. I think Tennessee is going to be tough just because of the amount of arms they have in the circle and their offensive weapons as as well.
0: So um, I I just want to pause for one second just to get a kind of a vibe check on this it's a complete mind shift from the better part you know it's not necessarily new but over the last you know six to seven to eight years we've really seen the staffs continue to grow across the board you know some teams would have them other teams wouldn't how have you seen like recruits the number two pitchers if you will at some places handle that in other words you might go into a play Kirsten deals a great example she probably you know, could have thrown 100 innings somewhere else. But she goes to OU, and it's a development year. And how have you seen some of the, the, the stars handle that? And do you think that we're embracing the necessity of more than just one pitcher? Or do you think it's going to be wild again in the portal over the next few years?
3: You know, I think, gosh, when you look at a Kirsten dealer you, you look at, you know, the OU pitching staff, and, and you see how versatile and and – the amount of rest they're able to have and then compete and be able to compete day in day out. But in terms of players, I think there's a shift and we had Catherine Sandercock on the podcast just a couple weeks ago and she spoke about it. You know, the Seminoles Lonnie Alameda is a huge proponent in knowing the amount of outs a pitcher actually should be throwing against an opposing offense. And they've really bought into that concept of being a part of a team and being a part of a staff. So I do see a huge shift in the mentality. I mean, of course, uh, anybody that's in the circle is going to always want the ball, but I do believe we're going to see a shift in pitching staffs and see more of a, you know, 6-7 rotation rather than just one solid arm that's trying to go day in, day out and you know, blank like it's just the analytics and the data that's out on on these pitchers. There's just so much out there and I think you're constantly having to reinvent kind of what what your pitch calling strategy looks like and and really trying to beat hitters day in and day out. So I do see a huge shift in our game, and I think we're going to go a little bit more towards baseball. And we've been saying this, I think, the last couple of years. We're going to have starters, middle relievers, and savers. And, and, and you know, that's where we're going.
0: Maybe even matchup specialists, too. All right, on this show, mm-hmm. as you might imagine, there is a lot of, all right, who, who do you worry about? Who do you think can give Oklahoma some problems? And even though everyone looks at what happened at the Mary Nutter – I think it's fair to say, with what UCLA has done, winning twenty three straight, winning, uh, finishing fifty and four, uh, that they're mm. really starting to click at the right time. What have you seen in UCLA that's kind of helped them find this extra gear during the second half of the
3: season? You know, I agree with you, and I think that loss, uh, that you know, huge loss at absolutely being obliterated by OU was. Probably did the same thing that that Baylor loss uh, did, I think, to Oklahoma. And I'd argue that that was, that was much needed for the Bruins in terms of a gut check. And I think what they've done is proven over time that um, they put in the work. And, you know, I still think when you're facing an OU offense like that, it's tough. Even with a Megan Faramu, uh, she keeps the ball up in the zone. So uh, finding an arm uh, to challenge those OU hitters is, I think UCLA is on the right track, and uh, I do. We'll always look back to that Mary Nutter loss, and uh, I think that actually was better for the Bruins. Might not have, not might not have felt great. I think at the moment, uh, but gosh, that was an incredible performance to watch, sitting there uh, at the Mary Nutter and just seeing balls fly out of the yard in front of I don't know what was it, playing like four thousand people there yeah. watching that game.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy. It's impressive. Um, any anyone else in the pack? You know, I I got a soft spot in my heart for DJ in Utah. Obviously, Missy in Oregon. Stanford has bounced back in a big way after a bit of a tough start for them. Uh, I mean, it looks like we're going to get quite a few teams out of the Pac-12 in the Big Dance. Anyone else you're kind of keeping your eye on outside of UCLA that could make some noise?
3: Yes, Washington. Nah. I, I would say the Huskies are playing pretty good ball right now, and Ruby Malin, Ricky Arm in the circle, and Kelly Lynch has really stepped up and, and on both sides of the ball. And obviously Bailey Klinger over there. And I think the Huskies are playing really good ball as of late. And I wouldn't have said that a couple weeks ago, Chris, but I, I think they're a team that's going to make a, a, a run into the postseason, especially if Ruby Malin, that rookie, uh, can stay calm in the circle for them. But, yes, you're looking at UCLA, Washington, Stanford. Oregon was hot as of late, but like you said, DJ. and. and uh, the Utes uh, that sweep over Oregon um, ended that 14-game uh, winning streak. So tough, tough year in the pack. And I, and you know, it was odd to hear Arizona and Arizona State are the playing play-in games game. for the first ever. <laughs> wow,
0: <laughs> that's crazy.
3: Hey, I,
0: I, 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 d1softball dot com. Everyone, go check it out. Tara's an incredible follow on Twitter. But before I before I let you go, I'm just. There's some big time games, I think, this week, not just for a conference championship, but I feel like there's still a lot up in the air for who might still be in a 16 to 15 to 14 spot. And then, of course, the very incredible 8, 7, 6 in that area, too. Am I making too much? I mean, do you feel like it's still very much up in the air, or do you feel like it's kind of set with the top 16 right now?
3: Oh, I think it's up in the air. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we've got obviously our bracketology on uh, d1bubble.com. We've got our projected field uh, of sixty-four, but you're you know you're taking a look at potential uh, bubble teams like Mississippi State is on the edge, and they obviously just lost a uh, Notre Dame, Texas State, Ohio State, and and then Clemson. I, I know we've spoken a lot about Clemson and Valerie Cagle, but that strength of schedule is going to be an issue. But, you know, wins from Clemson, if they can get a win in this ACC tournament or Auburn, uh, even Florida, the SEC tournament has implications. Uh, So we're taking a look at a lot of these conference tournaments. And sometimes historically in the past, you don't think the selection committee is potentially looking at these per se. But you'd argue that there's a lot of RPI spots up, up for grabs here heading into these conference tournaments.
0: D1softball.com. Check it out today, Tara. I really appreciate your time. Thanks as always, and uh, hopefully I'll see you here in a couple of weeks. Enjoy the couch and watching all these
3: games. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully I'll get to see you uh, in a couple weeks uh, in OKC. Can't wait. Uh, And thanks so much for always having me. I love chatting with you.
0: You're the best. That's Tara Henry. Uh, D1softball.com. Boy, that'd be pretty cool. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to be there calling the games, but to be able to sit back and watch all these games, good times. They're going to the bottom of the sixth inning, Bogle Park in Fayetteville. They are tied at three in uh, game two of the SEC tournament. Last night, Missouri beat Mississippi State to eliminate the Tigers. Good stuff. Quick break. We'll come back and put a wrap with the best of the text line next. All right, let's hustle through a couple of these real good text messages. Congrats to all three of our winners that are – Headed to the Big 12 tournament tomorrow. This is tomorrow only, just so you know. Oh, oh. Three up, three down for LSU in the bottom of the sixth inning. We're going to the seventh, uh, tied up at three in the SEC tournament. Let's go, Ole Miss! Anything else we need to add on that? We don't really have to say who it's from, but you know, thank you. Yes, we're yeah, very Thank grateful. you,
1: and congratulations to our winners.
0: And have fun. They'll you'll get a text with yeah, yeah, yeah. The, a,
1: everybody knows. Everybody knows okay. the drill.
0: Uh, Florida Sooner. The Big Ten and the SEC, I think, are exploring going to 24 teams, playing all games within your conference to maximize TV money.
1: Smart. I mean, that is probably going to be the way of the future.
0: As my man um, Ben Hartsock says, the TV networks, they want bangers. They won bangers week in and week out.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just it's so clearly going toward the NFL model yeah. between the Big Ten and SEC.
0: Uh, and this is on the Big Ten cutting cutting back the recommendation to play a Power Five require you to play one Power Five opponent. Uh, Big Ten schedule sounds like they're following the SEC model: three permanent opponents and rotate the rest every two years. Well, I mean, we think that's the SEC model. They haven't announced anything yet. There is nothing official on that, but I. I hope you're right, 405. I hope that's the way that we go. Um, <laughs> Brad in Bartlesville on the uh, White House decision. It's a scheduling thing, meaning we don't want to schedule it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Indeed. Boy, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of responses to our dump button conversation. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, you guys pushing buttons and bringing, uh, are bringing up memories of the naked gun. Must kill Pap Schmir. <laughs> Why does Major League Baseball's network constantly play the Naked Gun? I'm not complaining, but like like while there's games going on, can you not just like play? And the have game? you seen the Naked Gun? And have you seen the Naked Gun? Um here here's a here's a couple. Maybe Plank- Field of Dreams you'd like to watch. Maybe you'd like to see Field of Dreams. <laughs> Plank is the term old man's soapbox something only us old farts can use. We should copyright the phrase. Frisco sooner, I see a T-shirt. I see a T-shirt. And the two more. I think the A's are looking at hiring Michael Richards to do play-by-play and (laughs) Kanye West for color commentary. (laughs) 5808 writes, Richard and Sal said the A's went too far. And I like this one. How does someone possibly mispronounce Patty Casso's name? They'll say Gassau, Gassau. I mean, it's just Just basically
1: not watching the game.
0: It It was – there was a – there was a, a, a basketball player to where it's like you look at it, and I'm like, how do you – oh, A-Chain, the running back from A&M. I'm like, Ashane a- And it's like, no, it's like a spell, dude. Steel Manathune at noon or next. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Have a great day.